Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by Brady Wilson. So, I think we're going to launch here. And first, a question for the kids. So, I... I, I think we could have maybe Ariadne and Sylvie and Owen. We could have Kaya and Karis. We might have Alden and Elizabeth. But here's the question. I'm not sure if you can see this or not. Question is this. Is the glass in the water or is the water in the glass? What would you say, anybody? Do you see the glass? Is the glass in the water or is the water in the glass? It's both. It's both. The glass is in the water, but the water is definitely in the glass. In fact, the glass is filled with water. Today, I want to talk about a relationship that we have with God where we are in God, like the glass and God is completely in us, filling us just like this glass is filled with water. And sometimes people talk about, you know, that you can be so much one with another person that you start to look alike. Now, Adrian and Allison, I don't know if you guys know this, but they've been married for, what is it, like 16 years or something like that? Is that, is that right? 18 years. They've been married for a long, long time. And you know what? Sometimes when people have been married for a really, really long time, they start to look alike. So um, these two, like, this is, this is oneness, right? This is... Uh, now, of course, this is a ridiculous app that takes two faces and mixes them together. Um, but isn't that beautiful? Aren't they gorgeous? And uh, my, my wife, Teresa, we've been married for 40 years this year. And so, and people say, you know, you, you start to look alike. And uh, Teresa gave me permission to share this uh, picture. Um, and it, of course, it's ridiculous. Uh, this is this is really Teresa and I as as one, right? As one. <laughs> Can you imagine knowing that person? Uh, <laughs> but I will tell you something that if you were to come and visit our cottage, we have a little garden outside. We call it the Vi Wilson Memorial Garden because my mom's name was Vi Wilson. And after she died, Teresa and I decided to create a, a garden out there. Well, if you came and you experienced that garden and you went, well, okay, so which of you did what part? Uh, so who decided to put that plant there and who decided which plant would go? And Teresa and I would go, I don't know. It was like both of us, like every decision, what kind of stone should go there? Uh, how will the stone, we just kind of completely decided it together. Uh, it was like we did it as one. 
And I will tell you after 40 years, uh, we still snip at each other and, and uh, or I do anyway. And, 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 but you know what? We just really, really, really love each other. And we really, really are more and more one on all of the big things that matter. And that's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing that two people can become one. Now, I want to give you uh, a really quick journey of human can humankind's view of God, right? So we start off with Adam in the garden uh, and out of Adam comes his wife, Eve. So uh, out of the one become two. Uh, and they're having this relationship with God that is, it's just like partnering. Uh, God says, what about naming the animals? And Adam goes, okay. And so God and Adam are walking through the garden and they look at this animal and, the, and Adam goes, I don't know, what do you want to call that one? And God says, potifice. And Adam says, no. It's not, it's a pontifus, and they're going back and forth. And finally, Adam says, platypus. And God goes, that is so good. It's a platypus. And so the relationship is going back and forth like that. And they're naming the creatures and this having this crazy, wonderful laughing time. Well, it went like that, except that at some point, mankind listen to the serpent that said, God is withholding stuff from you. And really it was like, God is against you. Uh, mankind kind of bought that lie. And what happened next was that uh, whatever, whatever God you believe in, that's the God you get. So if you believe in the withholding angry deity, the next thing you know uh, you've got to somehow make these deities happy so that the crops will grow and so that the other clans won't come and attack you. And so what happens is the angry deity, God is against me. And so the next thing you know, Cain and Abel are offering sacrifices. And Abel offers animals and Cain offers vegetables. And God says, don't give me this vegan food. And Cain is uh, cast out of the garden. But there's this feeling that God is, again, and whether it's the Mayan culture, whether it's the Babylonian culture, there are throughout the Old Testament, uh, certain cultures who sacrificed people uh, because they believe that if you sacrifice something that precious, then God will give you his favor. And so your role is a desperate supplicant. Well, time went by. And in the Bible, we saw that started to be this sensibility that God could be our king. And so David very much, oh, God, my king is, is a prayer uh, that he would pray. And it was this sense that if you serve your king, he will go out and fight for your armies. And which was really cool for David because he had a lot of people attacking him and the, the neighboring countries. So David uh, was this upright subject. That was his role. If I, if I maintain an upright heart, then God will fight for our armies. So when God is for us, 
and goes out with us, then we can be victorious and we can have eminence amongst all of the different uh, people around us. When God wasn't for the Israelites and they went into captivity, life was not a happy place for them. And so there's this whole thing of sometimes God is for us if we do all the right things. But if we don't do the right things, when God is against us, life is horrible. Time went on, four or five hundred years, let's say. And what happened was God with us, which was mind-blowing. That God is not only for us, but God is with us. Uh, Jesus came and basically showed that God inhabiting man can be with you. You can walk with God. You can listen to his teachings. So he's the incarnate teacher. and We are his obedient disciples. We're his pupils. We're his students. So walk with the teacher and he will show you how to live. But all this time, something is beckoning beyond just God is for us, which, I mean, that was like the Crusades. The Muslims are going, God is for us. And the Crusader, God is for us. We want to go beyond that. We want to go to be, God is with us. But there is something much more than God is with us. And I don't want to in any way denigrate Emmanuel, God with us, but there is something much more in Jesus' mind than that. So Jesus comes and he says, yeah, God is your father. He's a good parent. If you then being evil know how to give good, how much more will your heavenly father? So he's surrounding you and he's surrounding you. He touches you with unconditional acceptance, with compassion, with affection, with provision. God is your parent. And your role is to, to learn, how can I just learn to be the beloved child of God? And, oh, that is so much better than just God is for us and fights for us. That is so much better than God is with us as the teacher uh, to be his beloved. And, and still, God is beckoning. God is beckoning. He said, there is more. There is more than just God as father. As incredibly mind-blowing as that is. And it's, I want to be your life partner. God within me. So this, this thing of union in Jesus, in John 14, Jesus said, on, the, on that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. It is the most mind-blowing scripture. In fact, Paul says, this is the mystery that was kept hidden for all generations. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, he, he says to the Ephesians, he's talking about marriage and the two becoming one. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so union, union, you are in him. You are inside God's emotions. He is in you. You have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. You are one. You indwell each other. You are inseparable, indivisible. If a scientist were able to understand this is what a God DNA looks like and this is what a Sandra DNA looks like, 
and examine is go, they're exactly the same. This molecule of God, this molecule of Sandra, you cannot tell the difference because Sandra and God are one. Does this not blow our minds? And Jesus prayed that, right? That they may be one as I and the father are one and that they may be one, not just with each other, but with us. So you indwell each other like this. Inseparable, indivisible. And the source of all things is no longer out there somewhere. God, would you please come with your presence? Would you please come uh, and give us wisdom from on high? No, no, no. It's on board. It's already uploaded. This is, this is the gospel. This is the good news. We are a loving partner. This story has always been about the deepest and most absolute love possible. Way back there when it was God is against us and then God can be for us. It's like we move from transactional to something more interactive, you know, with the teacher to something far more relational with a father to something that is a partnership, a partnership. So here are the key ideas as we wrap this up. Here's the, here's the good news. Here's the gospel. You and God are one. Your partners. The big arc of the story, this is a rom-com, if you will. It's like, I cannot live without you, is, is what God is saying. And we're saying, I cannot live without you. So that journey from transaction to interaction to relationship to partnership, it's, it, there was a time in history when people would approach God and get stuff like commodities. We no longer do that. Uh, we experience joy, but it's relational joy. We experience hope, but it's relational hope. It is the hope of Jesus Christ living inside of us. It is Jesus' joy living inside that expresses itself. I don't have to get it from somewhere. But here's the deal. Like any good partnership, God does not take over and make you do stuff. God wants to be desired. And so the Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's not like you're going to be forced to prophesy. You're not going to be forced to pray for somebody. Uh, God says, I want you to eagerly. It's like, I want to be wanted. I want to be desired, like we all do. And God wants to co-labor with us. So union is real. The fact that we are one with Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they, they all live inside of us. But it's activated by faith. It is realized, it is materialized, it is activated by faith. So our job is to learn to receive what is within. Our job, folks, 
is to learn how to be receivers. And I'm telling you, so I look at Maya right now, my beautiful 13-year-old granddaughter, and it is possible that someday Maya might be, might find a life partner. She may or she may not. I wouldn't be surprised if someday Maya gets married. Uh, and this relationship that I'm talking about today is practice for anybody who's going to have a life partner, is practice for anybody who's going to be a business partner, is practice for anybody who works with other people, is practice for anybody who has a friend. It's how do we partner with each other, which is just two people holding out for each other's highest good. Two people holding out for each other's highest good, standing for each other's success. That's partnering. So it's practice for life. Another key idea, there's nothing the matter with God being for us. Bring that forward in, into this. And there's nothing the matter with God being with me. Uh, there's nothing the matter with God surrounding me, but insufficient to fulfill God's purposes. All of those are meant to be part of this mystery, which is union. We are one. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was doing a, a few years ago, I was doing a half Ironman. So you have to ride your bike 90 kilometers and then you have to run. Or you, no, first you have to swim two kilometers. Then you have to ride your bike 90 kilometers and then you have to, a run for 21 kilometers. So I've done the swim part and I'm, I'm on the bike and I've done the first 45 kilometers and I am facing an unbelievable headwind. And I want to be able to finish this race in a, I've got a goal this day. So I am battling this headwind with everything inside of me and my legs were screaming with pain. And in that moment, I remember I just looked up and I shouted with all of my heart, I am fully alive. <laughs> and in that moment, I felt like God was experiencing me. And I went, of course, you've never done a triathlon, Jesus, have you? You never got a, you didn't even have a bicycle. And it's like Jesus was doing a half a half Ironman through me and he was experiencing the exhilaration of pushing through pain and the joy that that gave. So our journey is of course, experiencing God, but in partnership, God wants to experience us. So this is the mystery of the gospel. The good news is God in us and us in God. It is oneness. It is union. How do we apply this in the final moments here? I have to say that probably 90 mornings out of 100, I wake up and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Father. What's our mission today? What are, what are we doing today? And I go downstairs and I just create space. 
because I want to be in a place of expectancy and desire. Again, God's not going to force anything on us, but just create a space of expectancy and anticipation. It's like, what do you, I, I see who I have to meet with today. I see what is most essential for me today. I see all the tasks. What do you want to do today? And in that place of listening and yieldedness and deference and respect and that place of desire of Jesus living his life within me, his impulses, his urges, his inclinations, they start to roll inside of me. And I start to get a feel for an idea that could really bless somebody. Uh, so I receive you, Jesus, living through me today. Pray through me. I'm praying for Rachel Glenn. And I go, I have no idea how to come up with enough faith to pray for Rachel Glenn. But Jesus, you live within me. You pray. And it's like, when we don't know how to pray, his spirit prays through us with groanings. And I start groaning for Rachel Glenn because Jesus is living inside of me, praying with all of his faith, with all of his belief, with all of his authority. It's like, I can't manufacture that stuff. I receive Jesus' hope. I receive Jesus' joy living through me. Your faith, your passion, your hope, your joy, your power. And so our language will, will tell us where we are. Um, you know, I've, I've got a friend who has been unjustly accused and after he was accused and and this whole thing was um, cooked up by some of his co-workers they admitted that they had cooked the whole thing up but it's still going to trial now in this process it's very easy for him with all of his energy and all of his emotion to go to back to god i need you to fight for me I need you to be for me. And what can be lost is God with me, God surrounding me, God in me. And so, yeah, we can, we can be brought to those places, but God is always beckoning us back to this place of I am inside you and you are inside me. This is where I want to live my life. And I think when it's all said and done, what people are going to notice is that you just look a lot like Jesus. And Jesus just looks a lot like you. And you start to go, was that my thought or was that Jesus' thought? And you know what? Sometimes you're not going to be able to tell the difference because you are one. And I want to pray for you. Jesus, this 
is such a profound mystery that you are in the Father and we are in you and you are in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There is nothing deeper than the word one. Nothing more potent than a relationship of union. Nothing more hopeful than the fact that we are indivisible. Nothing can divide us, that we are inseparable. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That we have the mind of Christ living inside our mind. So God, show us how to partner with you, how to live with you, how to be with you uh, on a very, in a very practical way. And all the decisions that we need to make. Jesus, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this moment? And how can I follow your nudges in this world? Amen.